You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So high right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama. Anything's possible. Rainy J's back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. Woo. This is the truth like 34. Yeah. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, 17 banners, way up in the rafters. J King, John Corrales, and Sam Jam Packard. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global, but it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's. That's the best way. Welcome back. This is the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. We want to thank you for making us part of your regular routine. We're here for you every week in the dead of the offseason as we march towards the beginning of the regular season. Training camp is less than a month away. First practice is on October 1st. Media day is September 30th. We're getting ever so close to back on the daily, and we are the Rain and Jays. I am John Corrales. I cover the team for Mass Live. Joined today by Samuel Jamison Packard III. Damn! Also known as Ladies Love Cool Jam. Damn! So, Jam, I got to ask you a question. Yes. This, is, this has been a fun bit for this past season. Do you want to carry it on for this this upcoming season? We got we got to keep things fresh. We got a new intro. Maybe we do a new intro for you too. No, I was thinking that, too, because there's only so many ways you can say jam. Um, yeah. I was thinking of saying other words, but I didn't know what those words could be. Um, but the jam thing kind of felt limiting. So I'm I'm glad you came to me with this constructive criticism. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's, and it's not just you. It's me. Like, are we still going by your full name, Samuel Jamison Packard III, which we all know is your actual God given uh, birth name by obviously, divine intervention? I mean, I think I do like it because I'm, you know, a raging narcissist. And anytime anyone says my name, I enjoy it. So maybe I'll, we can stay with that and I'll just uh, yell other ridiculous phrases other than my name. Yeah, sure. I mean, it could, they could rhyme with jam. You can say you could be like that cram guy. You'd be like cram. Cram on yeah. the lamb. Yeah. You know, I, we'll, 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 we'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. Yeah. You know, it, it's that's what the off season is for. It's about working on your game and getting better, adding new elements to the game. Right, it's it works in the NBA. It's a work in podcasting. We just got to figure it out, uh, which is what the team is doing, and we're going to talk about that because Brad Stevens was shouting out his big, specifically Rob Williams, which we'll talk about later on. But obviously, the big story: Team USA not only going into overtime and beating Turkey by one point, but Jason Tatum suffering the turned ankle and scaring the shit out of everybody when he was carried helped off the floor (laughs) into the tunnel like that it's one thing to see him kind of limp off after the play but then they cut to the sideline he's got his arms around people and you're like oh jesus no Uh, so i assume you well did you you didn't see it live right because you you weren't able to see it live 
as soon as I saw his low, I was following on Twitter, and then I said, as soon as I saw his close in the fourth quarter, I stopped all work and then uh, mm-hmm. found some sort of uh, illegal stream and watched it, I would say, on about a 20-second delay. It was very frustrating because <laughs> you could see people tweeting about things, and then the clip would happen. And, of course, I'm not you know, strong enough to just not look at Twitter during this entire exchange. So um, I did see it live. It was quite scary. It was also just like right – at the very end of the game where they still needed to make the free throws Middleton and like the, the outcome of the game was still very much in doubt. So it was kind of a, a, a real wave of emotion there. And, but um, yeah, it was, it was scary uh, when you first saw the clip. Cause they just showed it like very quickly once and you didn't know, you just saw his leg kind of bend, but you didn't know where on the leg and it could have been real bad. But uh, once we see the replays, it looks like a classic case of ankle sprain. Yeah, it looks like a simple old ankle sprain. Brad Stevens said it's a moderate ankle sprain. We talked to him today. He was available a couple different places. They had the ABCD Hoop Dreams event uh, on Tuesday evening. Earlier in the day, he was at this unveiling of a sky bridge at Boston Children's Hospital that Rick Grosbeck um, helped pay for or something like that. So. He was at that, and he talked to us a little bit. He's been in contact with Jason Tatum. He's been, which was funny. He he's like trying to play it off, like, "Oh, I don't know what really what's going on. I'm hoping to get an update." And then I happen to look down at my phone. I'm like, "Oh yeah, here's uh, Brian Windhorse." He's like, "Yeah, no, I'm already talking to Jason." Tatum. <laughs> so, like, okay, so you tried to play it off and be cool, but like, now you already know everything that's happening. So, which I which is obvious, but I thought it was funny. Uh, so. Bottom line is they'll do by the time you listen to this podcast, they may have already done a, an x-ray. I think that's probably just precautionary. The good thing is uh, they've by beating Turkey, they have uh, advanced to the knockout round. They don't need to beat Japan, although they probably will. And uh, they can rest Jason Tatum. So it's not it's not the worst thing to have him get that rest. He'll have three or four days off before they can before they have to go back and see how well he can play. So that's good. The other thing that comes up though now is that fear. Are you afraid? Do you think this is like some sort of oh god they shouldn't be playing in this? Why are they playing in this type of type uh, reaction? Do you have that kind of reaction to this? I do not. I generally am under the impression that these guys are going to be hooping and that no matter where they are, people who are like you see all the workout videos, you, we saw Devin Booker getting double teamed like NBA players are playing basketball right now. And so I don't think there's any extra risk of injury. But then something I've been noticing while watching all this FIBA basketball is that the rules are crazy different and you can basically beat the shit out of each other out there on the court. <laughs> and um I don't know if that necessarily creates more uh, injury risk, but it is just noticeably more physical in FIBA rules. And it feels like the refs uh, are a lot more hands off and I like it. It's good old fashioned fun. Call me a baby boomer yearning for just like the Detroit Pistons, just destroying um, Michael Jordan. But I don't know. FIBA basketball is all right with me. That stuff's cool. <laughs> there is, there is some uh, added physicality. Brad Stevens noted that in the, his uh i think the second availability at night but yes there you can get you can get hit pretty good uh which that did, that wasn't even, like brad uh i'm sorry jason tatum just slipped he just stepped wrong like yeah that's just a basketball injury that just happens that just, that just happens like that's the thing like uh i and i i agree with you i think that it's overblown like it goes back to like the Zion Williamson when his shoe blew out 
people are like, oh, my God, do not let him play again until after the draft. Like, people are like, lose their shit over this. Like, you can't put these guys in bubble wrap. They have to play basketball. And like you said, all of these guys are playing basketball right now. If Jason Tatum wasn't playing in Shanghai, China, he would have been playing somewhere, maybe in St. Louis. He would have had some sort of five-on-five basketball that he played. And the step that he took there in on Team USA was a step that players take every day, everywhere. Sometimes you roll an ankle. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you slip. It depends on the whatever. But not a big deal. And uh, Brad Stevens seemed to agree with that type of thing. Obviously, you don't want to put guys at risk, but this really doesn't increase any risk, I don't think. So, no, not at all. Now, let me ask you a question because I couldn't watch the game. Yes. How, how did the Celtics play? I, I saw the end where it felt like Tatum and Kemba were very instrumental in the little 7 0 run they uh, had there in overtime to get back in the game. Uh, Tatum made a huge play when he actually hurt himself to get like to make that rebound and push it in transition. Um, but it doesn't seem like the fine folks on the internet were uh, quite too fond of the uh, Team USA or the, the the Celtics' performance. It didn't even see like Jalen or Marcus Smart played at all until Joe Harris fouled out. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, it was interesting. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to answer that after the break. Ooh, teasing it, like yeah, it. That, that is it's a tease. Coming right back here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we get back into the Team USA talk, a reminder to everybody that uh, Locked On NFL is back. Football is back. If you're a football fan, there's Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy Football, Locked On Patriots, or Locked On whatever fan your favorite team is. So go ahead and listen to all of those shows, whichever your favorite team is, available wherever podcasts exist. So... Team USA, let's get to the actual game. They, um, I, I looked at that game and I felt, Sam, that we were kind of almost watching some level of last year's Celtics, where early on it looked pretty, like it looked like the the Team USA was on a roll, like they were just gonna roll through this and um, no problem. And then they kind of relaxed and they let Turkey kind of hit a few shots. They relaxed defensively, especially they, their, their pick and roll defense is just God awful. And a few shots went down. Ursan Ilyasova became an all-star. A uh, uh, menace. I hate that guy. I mean, he was just everywhere. Uh, he finished with 23 points and 14 rebounds. Just Insane, insane that he had that kind of impact. Uh, then they made plays when they kind of needed to, but it just took it, it took way too much effort to win a game like this. And there was a lot of a lot of last year's Celtics kind of feel. Uh, and and really, the one thing that I noticed before we get into these specific Celtics, there was a lot of standing around, like in the third, fourth quarter. When I think it was the third quarter when Turkey was really making a run, you'd see 
whomever had the ball at the top of the key and four other guys just standing there holding their hands out, waiting for a pass, feeling like last year's team, like, all right, it's my turn now. This isn't working. I'm going to go do this. And maybe they had some good intentions, but everybody kind of seemed to want to do it themselves. And bring- the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That, I've been, I've heard that. I've heard that. Uh, Jason Tatum had some great stretches, but then in those stretches, he had some individual forays that would just forced. They were forced. He would try to attack, but put his head down and drive versus driving like at his best. He drove and he dished. And he found Miles Turner. He found Chris Middleton on that very last play, the game-winning play, where Middleton hit the two free throws. Driving, drawing the defense, dumping it off. Beautiful. Perfect. Exactly the way we want him to play. But then there are other times where he put his head, drive, he put his head down, kind of bury his shoulder into a guy, and try to like force a shot up or try to go underneath somebody. And, and that just was not successful. So... Tatum did some really good things and then he did some bad things. So it's, I'm just glad to see him uh, do a Euro step in traffic and hold on to the basketball. Like the, one of the most frustrating things about Tatum in his first two years was just how many times he like just trying to gather the basketball to go to the basket and he would lose it. And then it just didn't make much sense, but I haven't really don't remember him doing a lot of Euro step. I don't remember him finishing through contact a lot. Um, so that was a pretty cool, uh, thing to see. Uh, but I don't know. It, it sounds like it's, it feels like it's also hard to judge these guys. Like we talked about the FIBA, the change in FIBA rules. It's like, it is different brand of basketball. Now, clearly like there's some things that are the same, like the general idea of like passing and scoring and attacking, but it is, the rules are, uh, slightly different, but, um, they, they struggle with the zone. They just, and, and, I was just talking about this on the Lockdown NBA podcast. If you want to check it out, go subscribe to Lockdown NBA. Just recorded a podcast with Jake Madison, the, the normal Wednesday show. 2-3 zone is a high school old man type of defense. I, oh, yeah. I play it when I go to a men's league because I'm old. I played it in high school because you don't know what the hell you're doing. But at this level, you should be able to beat it. And all too often, they, they couldn't. And uh, this brings me into, like, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. Like, Marcus Smart has done some good things. And he's made some nice plays. Uh, he, he took two shots, both of them threes. He hit one in this game. But he only played 11 minutes, and he came in. He didn't play through most of the fourth quarter. Um, I don't know. I'm, he might not have played in any of the fourth quarter. I don't remember. I have to go back and rewatch, but he didn't play much at all. Uh, he's been struggling. Like he had, he's had good moments. The third quarter against the Czech Republic was good, uh, but throughout this part, the, the this game against Turkey, eh, it just hasn't worked for him as a backup point guard. I think I still think it's going to work for him at the NBA level. I think it's going to work for him as a member of the Celtics, but for this, it didn't work. And, and Jalen Brown wasn't doing all of the things that he needs to do to be successful on the floor. He needs to be a, a strong cutter, making moves off the ball to 
get into position to break that zone. So that's probably why he only played six minutes. He just needs to he, – he, he's capable of doing a lot of good things, and maybe in certain matchups he will. But in, the, in, in this game, it was all about Jason Tatum making plays and Kemba Walker making plays. Kemba still super fluid. Still super confident. When he's on the floor, things go well. When he's off the floor, things don't. Uh, the only thing I could say about Kemba is his shot wasn't falling exactly, but still come through with uh, a big time step back and and hitting clutch shots. So uh, and taking a Marcus Smart uh, like charge at the end that was actually yeah. a, that was pretty cool. I he's a small man. He that's dangerous. Yeah, no, it's true. It's it's very um, and those guys truck you, man. They will make you pay for going in there and taking a charge. But uh, Kemba, I think Kemba's defense has been pretty good over the past uh, couple of games here in the FIBA World Cup. And, and like I said in the other podcast on Monday, he's just doing exactly what he would be doing on a, a, at any level in, in any situation. This is – he's just playing his game. And I, I think Popovich needs to just – play him a little bit more i mean what do you end up playing in this game uh well okay so we played 32 minutes in this game which <laughs> that's a decent that's a high decent percentage amount. of the minutes that's a decent amount yeah 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 but he played he played for most of the overtime so it would have been like 27 like he should be playing that amount of minutes without an overtime is is but and, and maybe he will in the next round but um yeah i i think kemba's i think kemba's just like their best player on Team USA. Uh, Jason Tatum can be. I think down the stretch, he mostly was. Uh, he did a lot. But back to your point about Tatum, the, the strength to hold on to the ball on his drives is what's leading him to be able to make these passes because he's he's not losing the ball in his drives. That That's part of what makes him uh, as effective as he is. If that can translate to the NBA, you'll see him get to the foul line more because he will not have lost the ball he would have, he'll be going up with the ball and getting fouled or he'll be making those passes. So that's an important, important development. For Speaking him. of getting to the foul line, he had a chance to win the game at the end uh-huh. with three. Uh, it was a total grift. I mean, he really stuck that leg out and got the call. Um, USA down two. he has three shots. Now he made the first and the third and missed the second. Eh, it's all fine and dandy. I mean, uh, you would have preferred he make them all three. My thing is, Brad says that the first free throw and the third free throw are the hardest ones to make, and that made no sense to me. And uh, I was wondering if you could please explain um, Leader Brad's thinking on that, because, you know, I didn't watch the game. I didn't see it live. Uh, I, I just want to understand. So from just trying to – because I'd never heard that before, but I think when you, – like you have to make the first one. Because you miss the first one, now the second two were like, oh my god. Um, if you miss the second one, then the third, then the third one's one, like, oh my god. I don't right. think they're all three are of equal importance. Right, but you don't lose if you miss the second one. You know what I mean? Like the second one, you're like, okay, here we go. Like it's not that it's any. I don't know. I, I'm just trying to figure out Brad's thinking. Like that, for, you have to. Yeah, well, you need to ask one. a follow up question next time. Yeah, say, right, Brad, what the true. hell are you talking what about? The, yeah, no, I, I, from what I'm just thinking, like 
The first one, you got to make that first one. Because if you don't make the first one, now you're in a pressure, pressure, real pressure situation. Even if you miss the second one, you know you've got that third one, but you have to make that third one. So that's, I think, why you, you would say the first and the third ones are the hardest to make. But if you're up there, the, the, the pushback I would give you is, if you're up there in that situation, you're either nervous or you're not. Like, I don't think you're any more or less nervous in that situation if you make or miss any of those free throws. Like, I think you're either the type of person who says, no problem, these are just free throws. And you go up there and you shoot your shot. And sometimes they fall and sometimes they don't. Or you're the type of person who goes up there and goes, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. And you're, gonna, you're in a, a situation where you're really kind of like roller coaster of emotion. So. I, I, and I don't think I don't think Jason Tatum's the roller coaster of emotions type. That man dunked on LeBron James in his rookie year in the playoffs. Like that, that yeah. he seems pretty unflappable. Yeah. So I think he just missed the second free throw. Like it's just one of those things. Like he just missed it, um, which sucks because, like he said, if you know if he makes that second free throw and he makes the third one, the game is over. Then you don't get he doesn't field, get injured, get hurt, you know. So it just changes everything. But uh, it would have been really really cool to see him win the game on three straight free throws, but whatever. Uh, so that's it. That's, that's my, my take on team USA. They play again Thursday morning, eight thirty Eastern time on ESPN plus. I think the whole thing is on ESPN plus. Yeah. It's uh, unfortunate. It only costs $5, but you know, I've, I've dug my heel in the sand at this point. One more thing before we, uh, before we go to break, uh, just want to shout out Deuce Tatum first day of school today. Yeah. I uh, hope it went well. That was big. First day of what? Preschool or something? Yeah. yeah. That's good. Deuce, making moves. Get that money. I, I, I assume <laughs> people say something like that in a situation. I don't know. All right. We're going to take a break. Yeah. We'll come back. We'll talk about Brad Stevens, uh, other things, non-Team USA things that he talked about. We're coming right back on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. You are Locked On Celtics, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to begin this segment by just pointing out what kind of maniac Brad Stevens is. He says, quote, I'm loving getting up in the morning and basketball is on from 5.30 to 10.30 every day. It's pretty sweet. He's talking, obviously, about the World Cup of basketball. I don't understand how an NBA guy is up at 5.30 in the morning, unless you're going to bed at 5.30 in the morning, 5.30 in the morning, I just, I cannot fathom the, just being up at that time. Unless, like, the only time I'm up at 5.30 in the morning is on some stupid back-to-back where I have to wake up early and catch a flight. And that's just ruined my day. I cannot handle that. It just doesn't, I cannot function. So, uh, Brad Stevens is clearly some sort of, cyborg maniac he maybe he only needs like two hours of sleep i have no idea but brad stevens is in bed by 10 30 every night and wakes up at 5 a.m every morning and drinks a cup of celery juice i'm not <laughs> surprised at all if that guy's an early riser that just the fact that he's up doesn't surprise me whatsoever whatsoever but how do you do that during the season it's 7 30 game you're done you're out of the door by what like by the time he's done with us it's like 11 
doesn't he go home and like watch film? Like I, I just don't. I, I don't know. I no, he goes immediately to bed and wakes up at five and drinks his celery juice and watches film. Does he have like a warm cup of milk on the in the car ride home? So by the time he gets back, he's like ah, ready for bed. And yeah, I don't know. I would hope so. God. If the man wants some warm milk, the man deserves some warm sure warm milk. Sure. Anyway, Mr. Warm Milk was at uh, the ABCD Hoop Dreams talking a little bit about uh, the bigs. Everybody wants to know, First, the, the bigs became a, a, a topic of uh, conversation there. He admitted that it'll be situational. Like He, he kind of basically said without saying that uh, Ennis Cantor is going to be his guy. Like he, he flat out said that Ennis Cantor is the guy who's done the most in the NBA. So I feel like that's a, a tell to say that Cantor is going to be the guy that starts most games. But he did say it's going to be situational, and he made it a point to call out Robert Williams for his summer. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm all about the Time Lord hype. Time Lord he is the guy I think has like the highest ceiling in terms of like taking the next step just because he is so explosive and bouncy. And if he can give you anything on offense, like if he can just not be a minus on offense, his defense is going to be uh, absurd. But I'm, I'm headed into the season a little worried about this big situation. It feels like when, like when the Red Sox used to have, Oh, we're going to have a closer by committee. That's never a good idea. If you have, if you have four big men, you don't have one big man. And so I know Enos Cantor, uh, like he has the most NBA experience, but you know what? I've seen a lot of Enos Cantor and he's not great on defense. He can't really guard uh, the pick and roll. And so I think he'll get offensive rebounds. It'll be pretty solid on offense. I think Tice will stretch the floor. I think time Ward will be a, a solid defensive contributor. I have no idea what to expect from the big baguette, um, Vinny Sex Pants, but, um, <laughs> Vinny Sex Pants. You see him. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going with it. Um, but it's just, it's like, I saw some articles. Mike, Mike Pina wrote a, a interesting article about the Celtics need to go small and play their kind of their five best players, which is, well, that would basically Marcus Smart being your center. Um, and I think that's intriguing. And I think there's a lot of times they will go small, but I don't know. I think they're, if there's uh they're going to struggle because they're just all the positional flexibility that you need. They don't have a lot of guys who can like flare up to that five and still be effective. And so I know Brad Stevens like, like can hype up uh, Rob Williams, but I don't know. I feel like Brad Stevens like picks out one guy every year to like try and to try and hype out, uh, hype up or not like just give some, some props to without being prompted. Like last year is Terry Rozier Cause clearly Tito was upset with his role. And so maybe it's just like they're really just doing some positive reinforcement with uh with Time Lord this year, but I don't know. The big situation is the the biggest reason why it's just like oh, the Celtics are going to be pretty good and entertaining, but I don't think they're going to be that good. Yeah, I I can see the situational thing working. Sometimes it's hard to like in theory. I get it. I I still I stand by what I've been saying all along about Robert Williams. Now, maybe his summer has been, if, if, if you are to believe everything Brad Stevens says to the media, then maybe Robert Williams summer has progressed further along than what I saw at summer league. Maybe he's, 
been working and and he's getting some of those repetitions that I want him to get. Maybe he's further along. If that's the case, fine. If he's ready to play NBA minutes, fine. But as long as he is getting meaningful minutes and he can handle those meaningful minutes, great. But if he's not, if he's going out there and playing five minutes here and DNP there, then I hate that. I hate that plan. Get him to the G League. Give him his 30 minutes. Let him let him figure it out. And just play at least the first half of the season, at least to the All-Star break. With these three, whomever, you know, whatever rotation you want to go, they're short-term solutions. Unless, what you call him, Vinny Sexpants? Yeah. If, if he wants to come in here and if – if his game is truly erotic, then great. You've hit on What if he just cranks it up on all levels? Hey, look, if, if he comes in and, and takes the spot, then he takes the spot. And great. Then we've got LeGrand Baguette here to just take us to all of France. Instead en of, Francais, LeGrand yeah. Baguette. There you go. Like if, he's, if he comes in and takes that position, fantastic. I'm all for it. He's... He's done well. He seems athletic enough, and you see the highlights, and you see him play in this World Cup, and he seems like he can do some things. If that translates, and if he can be okay defensively, and he ends up kind of splitting the minutes with Ennis Cantor, great. Then then fine. Daniel Tice will come in situationally. Maybe he'll get more minutes against bigs like Gobert and Embiid that need to be pulled away from the rim. But We've seen him get destroyed by those guys too, so I don't know what the, the if that's a real trade off. Like, okay, you got a guy that can shoot threes, and you you draw Rudy Gobert and and bead away from the rim, but then Embiid post uh, ties up and just demolishes him and, and and scores twenty points in a quarter. So then, what do you do? That's the big problem. Is that I think the Celtics are going to survive and do really well against the majority of teams, but anyone with like a serviceable big man. Um, mostly thinking about Embiid uh, or even Brooke Lopez uh, and just thinking of Drummond, that's where they're really going to struggle. But if other other teams want to go small against the Celtics, I think they can really punish them because they have all that talent uh, at the guards and the wings. And I think think there's a good opportunity for Grant Williams to um, step in there, maybe be a small ball five, because he just offers a little bit more size than your traditional. Like, I just don't think – I love the idea of Marcus Smart lineups at center, but that's like a – that's a three, four minute gimmick. That's not something sustainable. Right. Um, and I think Grant is offers you a little bit more size. He, I think he can step out and shoot and just, but he's still like kind of still athletic enough and small enough. The other guys feel like they're just kind of different, different weapons on the Swiss Army knife. Like you have your stretch big, you have your defense big, you have your rim running big. And it's like, it's like we're just trying to figure out all the different ways we can replace, uh, Horford. I guess Horford wasn't a, a real rim running big, but you know what I mean? It's like there's, oh, yeah. there's, that's what the situational and Brad loves the first 20, like we're, we're not going to know in the first 20, probably 20 to 40 games. Cause that's just when Brad loves experimenting. And so we're going to, I feel like we're going to see a whole bunch of crazy different lineups and every, all these bigs are going to get a chance to try and prove themselves in a number of different situations. But it's, so it's going to be interesting to see, um, who steps up because I think that it's really wide open. Like Cantor's clearly is like the, he's the starter for now, but I think it's like open competition for, for, I feel like the whole season. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be very fluid, and you know this is this is the part of the the year where we talk in so many theoretical terms. Preseason will come around. Actually, I I 
I vow not to overreact to preseason this year. Oh, no, we're going to overreact. No, we can't. We're going to do a post-game pod, and they're going to be playing the Charlotte Hornets, and we're going to be like, oh, my God, Kemba Walker only scored 14? There's going to be something, and I just got to do it with this in my head. Like, the past two preseasons, we've – it just hasn't been indicative of a lot. I I don't know. I want to say that we'll watch the preseason and see how these guys do, but it's really going to be – the first two months of the season, we're going to have to figure out what works, what doesn't. And like you said, Brad experiments through so much of that time that so hard to say. And then what happens at the trade deadline? Like I, I still feel like this is going to be an active year for Danny Ainge. So lots to talk about. We'll see what happens. We'll continue talking about it here on this podcast. So Go ahead and give us a subscription if you have not done that already. If you're a first-time listener, welcome aboard. We hope you've enjoyed this show. Hope you stick around for our when we go daily during the regular season. The best way to do that is to subscribe. And also give us that five-star rating, a good written review, especially if you're an Apple user. That really, really helps us out because those rankings are the signal to the advertisers that they should be advertising with us. We're a free podcast, but this is how you pay us with those five-star ratings and good reviews and sharing the podcast. Tell everybody they should be listening to the Lockdown Selfies podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Rainy days. 